morning, those are remarkable events that took place many, many, many years ago. Events which, as we will learn together this morning, had a profound impact on the lives of Peter and the disciples and those who were part of the church at that time. Now I wanted to read the whole of the chapter so that we had a, an understanding, a wider understanding of exactly what was happening and what Peter states that this is and how it impacts those who come into the church. But I want to begin with a question. What significance is Pentecost to you day by day? What significance is the presence of the Holy Spirit to us day by day? I'm not asking anyone to answer that question aloud, but just to ponder it for a second as we begin. William Booth, who is the co-founder of the Salvation Army, one of the things he says is, look down and see this waiting host. Give us the promised Holy Ghost. We want another Pentecost. Send the fire today. Why would he say words such as those? Why would he place such an emphasis on a hunger for the kind of experience that people had at Pentecost and that touch of the Holy Spirit? He's saying that because he recognises the importance of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. It's quite sad that today one of the things that the Holy Spirit is, is seen as this kind of divisive issue when it comes to if somebody is charismatic or, or non-charismatic. The, 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 this is the, the, what the Holy Spirit does. Actually, that's not the key thing. The Holy Spirit, He is fundamental to our faith. He's not an optional extra for extroverts, for people that might be inclined to bark like dogs or, or howl or any of that kind of stuff. Now what all that is, well, who knows? I'm not going to get into that. But the Holy Spirit is given to us in order to equip us, in order to anoint us, in order to help us and teach us how to live as followers of Jesus Christ. <coughs> he isn't the, the, the side portion. He is core and fundamental to this faith that we have. And Acts and the events of Pentecost really reinforce that to us. So I want us to have a little look at some of what's going on here. And this morning, it probably isn't a surprise to hear that I'm not going to go through this verse by verse or you'll be here to the evening service. Um, and I don't think anybody would be very appreciative of that. Although we could just go straight into the prayer meeting and then to another service. It could, it could work quite well. Um, but I want what we're going to focus on first is Peter, who is, of course, one of the core characters of what's happening in this chapter. And I want us to take note of the sudden differences we see in Peter and begin to ask questions about whether we see those same differences within ourselves as well. So, so I've got a wee fire theme. That's my wind theme. I think that's quite impressive, actually. It's amazing what PowerPoint can do. Um, so, 
we, we see a series of remarkable unfolding events as the spirit begins to it's like this roaring wind that begins to, to fill the entire house and you see these, these tongues of fire begin to rest on each of the, per, each of the people there it's quite remarkable um, events that begin to take place as this promise from the prophet Joel begins to be fulfilled the people are naturally perplexed they don't really understand what's going on and you can't really blame them for that um, if we were to hear um, if everybody was hearing people speak in their own native language that would, that would be quite a confusing thing I mean nowadays the only time you see an equivalent of that is in something like Doctor Who or Star Trek where they have these universal translators and everybody magically speaks English and regardless of what language they're actually talking but this was happening at this time and people were hearing the, the, the rejoicing and the celebrating in their own native language. It's, it, it is unsurprising that people were perplexed. What's surprising is that the conclusion they came to is utterly ridiculous. Um, why are we all hearing these people speak in our native languages? Oh, it's because they're drunk. Well, last I checked, no matter how drunk somebody gets, they don't suddenly start speaking in a variety of languages. They might stop speaking in any language but they don't start speaking in a variety of languages. That's not how it works. That reaction is absurd. It shows that this desperate reach to just grasp on something, to dismiss what is happening because it's so different and so unusual. Um, but something significant has happened something substantial has happened and Peter is the one who would stand up and begin to unpack precisely what has taken place so that people can understand it now I think it is worth actually just beginning to remember who Peter is because it's Peter who now finds himself as the one that's, that's going to stand up and, and declare to this group of people precisely what has taken place. Now Peter is the one who um, not long ago was denying Jesus. He was cursing and swearing to save his own skin when people were accusing him of being a follower of Jesus Christ. He was one who would very boldly say, even if I have to lay down my life for you, Lord, I will. But when that was potentially asked of him, he denied Jesus and ran for the hills. Now we see this very same Peter, the one who couldn't face the cost previously, now standing before whomever was gathered there and boldly proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah and that this is the fulfillment of the promise that God had made through the prophet Joel. Something remarkable has happened. Now a big part of that would have been the fact that Peter has witnessed the resurrection. That of course would have changed everything. He knows his Messiah has overcome even death itself. But we cannot dismiss the role that the Holy Spirit plays within this as well. For it's after the Spirit has descended and filled these people that Peter is able to stand 
and very, very eloquently proclaim Jesus Christ to the people around him. And it's a great sermon. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to read it. He, he, he does a great job explaining exactly what has happened to the people that are around. And one of the truly profound things about the, the Holy Spirit isn't merely that the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do these things, but as we do them, he's doing other stuff as well. So what you see is as Peter stands and, be, and, 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 and does this, that thousands of people become followers of Jesus Christ. Because the Spirit of God is on the move. But with Peter, one of the things that really struck me with Peter is the shackles are gone. Everything that was holding Peter back, whether it was his own self-preservation or his comfort zone, always resorting back to the fishing boat, all of that stuff has faded away. Those shackles are gone. What's standing there, who's standing there now is one who will boldly proclaim the name of Jesus Christ and put the kingdom of God before his own personal safety, his own reputation, his own well-being. He will declare the truth of Jesus Christ to these people. The Peter who was the coward is now the Peter who has courage. And he will stand and he will declare the name of Jesus Christ. Now Peter was always one of the ones that would be right up the front and always enthusiastic and eager. But before, that's all it was. He couldn't back that stuff up. Now he can. He stands and he declares precisely who Jesus Christ is. Those shackles that were holding him back and preventing him from doing any of that, they're gone, they've been broken. And instead he's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and able to proclaim and share exactly what God is doing and what it means for the people to be there. The Spirit has enlivened him, the Spirit has empowered him, the Spirit has broke those shackles and it has empowered him to do this amazing thing. It's pulled him from that life that he was in to this life now where he is living it solely for Jesus Christ. And that's really actually quite exciting because there are times we struggle. There are times that we will face situations when we need courage to speak about Jesus Christ. Sometimes we find that courage and other times we don't. But it's not actually about all about us. It's about the spirit whom we need in order to speak the truth in the right way. It's the Holy Spirit that we need in order to be able to do that. And then one of the really encouraging things about Peter is you see a real high point here. This point where he stands up and he's filled with courage, he's filled with faith, he's filled with the Spirit and he proclaims the name of Jesus regardless of the danger and the cost that that might be to him. But as you journey through Acts, you also see him get things wrong at times (laughs) as well when Paul has to rebuke him. Because he's starting to shrink back and worrying again about the Jews and the Gentiles and how the Jews might be judging some of his behaviour. So you see, the the moments when he gets it so right because he he has that power of the Spirit and other moments when he gets it it wrong and and, and that is that rhythm of life that we can relate to. At times we experience that courage and that's fantastic and and it's, it's so invigorating. 
and other times we don't. But the, the, the reality is what we must do is look upward and ask God for his power. What we mustn't do is look inward and say to ourselves, I need more courage and I will try harder next time. It is God and his spirit that we need as we seek to live and be followers of Jesus Christ. And the great news is that that spirit, he is in us. If we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, that spirit is in our hearts. Do we believe that? Do we live as if that's the reality of our Christian life? We are sealed by that spirit. Is that all he is for? Do we seek that fire and power that we see in these verses as well? Because that spirit, he calls us out of the world as we see him doing with um, Peter in these verses. Peter is lifted from um, what the situation that he found himself in into this, this dynamic life in which he's proclaiming the ways of, of Jesus to those around him. The Spirit is seeking to do that same thing as well. We are all called as followers of Jesus Christ to release the old ways of living and to live according to the new ways. Each and every one of us is called to do that. And the great news is that there is power sent from on high in order for us to do that. God has given us his spirit. Who is now the fancy theological word is sanctifying us. He's making us more like Jesus Christ. That's what the spirit is doing. I've said a lot um, in recent weeks and months that that our culture, the culture that we live in, it seeks to mould us and shape us. From the headlines that we see in the papers, to the news, to what our friends are saying, to what's viral on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, although I don't know if you get viral things on Instagram, I don't get the point of Instagram. It's the point of sharing photos, but what do I know? All this stuff is is seeking to shape us, to form and inform our opinions of, of situations and other groups of people. But we have a Holy Spirit who indwells us, who is seeking to lift us from our culture. Not that we don't live in the culture, but that we're not defined by our culture. That instead the Holy Spirit is forming us and shaping us to live according to the pattern of the kingdom of God. This is what he's seeking to do in each of our lives. The Spirit is calling us out of the world, but he's not calling us to DIY. He's calling us out of the world by his power. And that is, that is I think, is really encouraging for each and every one of us because it's not merely about what we can do. It's about what he can do through us. And, and he's God. He can do above and beyond anything we can ask or imagine. It speaks in these verses of promised power, of what Joel is speaking of, this vision that he speaks of when this spirit is going to fall upon everyone, male, female, old, young, servants, it doesn't matter whom, the spirit would be fallen and prophecy would happen and things would change. 
David Wilkerson, who uh, was one of the um, heroes that was mentioned in Sheena's Children Talk, um, it was last week, I think, that Children's Talk. Yeah. Yeah, weeks all kind of blur for blur a bit. Um, but one of the things he says is when you strip out of everything else, Pentecost stands for power in life. That's what came into the church when the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost. Power. You see that. Life. This is a church enlivened. It's thriving. It's growing. It's doing exactly what it's intended to do as the body of Jesus Christ. The promised spirit is on the move and doing remarkable and amazing things. And you see that power and that life so evident in these verses. Flowing through the church and bringing transformation in people's lives, bringing change, bringing people into the kingdom. It's just, it would have been amazing to have actually seen these things unfolding. (coughs) To see what God was doing in the lives of those believers. But it also, I think, reminds us just how important it is that we remember we need that spirit. Because our power comes through him as well. I've spoke a lot about how vitally important it is that we abide in Jesus Christ. That we have that close relationship with God, that we make time to connect with God. And I think, as we consider the Spirit, the Spirit isn't contrary to Jesus' teaching. I think one of the core ways that we can deepen our relationship with with God and have a deeper infilling of the Holy Spirit is to spend that time with God. We will have these remarkable moments, perhaps, when God will suddenly move through a space and do amazing things. But that rhythm, that life, that discipleship, that discipline that we must have to spend time with God and to abide in Him is absolutely vital. It's so important for us because as we do that, that we create that space for the Holy Spirit to just infill us. If we are not abiding in Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit isn't going to bless that. It's vitally important that we hear the words of Jesus and connect them to events that we see unfolding here. We need that spirit. God's grace working through us. It's his transforming power that we need above all else. And at Pentecost, what we see is a church that begins in power. It begins in power. So I wonder, as we leave here, do we have that power? That power to live courageously for God. That power to speak boldly when those moments come in which we can share Jesus Christ. That power to live for him even though at times we might want to live in ways contrary to him. That power is here I believe. And we need it because I'm labouring the point here and I know it. He is vital. Okay? One of Jude's favourite toys is called Mr. Train. Okay? Now you will have seen Mr. Train because Mr. Train comes to church. Mr. Train has dropped a lot on the floor at church as well. Now, we had a Mr. Train that got, I think he was dropped here and a bit of him broke off. So so Karen managed to order another one after a few different attempts. Um, We got a second Mr. Train. And the new Mr. Train sat on the 
table in the living room for Jude coming home. And Jude saw this new Mr. Train, which in many ways was identical to his current one, except, of course, wasn't broken. And he kind of, I missed this, sadly, but I've been told. Um, he eyed this new Mr. Train a bit wearily. Um, something seems different. Now, what he did at this point was he picked up the new Mr. Train and he looked underneath it. Because the old Mr. Train is marked. It's got a seal of doodles on the underside. Now when Jude saw that this new Mr. Train didn't have the seal, the mark, um, he knew that this wasn't the Mr. Train. And I think Karen got a row at that point. <laughs> now, the, but the new Mr. Train had advantages over the old Mr. Train. The new Mr. Train had batteries in them. So when you press the new Mr. Train, he did as expected and made a lot of noise. Um, so this pleased Jude. Um, so ultimately what happened... It's Mr. Train. <laughs> so what Jude eventually did is he doodled on the new Mr. Train with, I think it was some of Bethany's makeup, um, so that the new Mr. Train had the same seal and mark of approval on the underside. So he became the new Mr. Train. Okay? Now the new Mr. Train, he had the batteries, he had the power. And I think as Christians there's actually a significant parallel there because the Holy Spirit, as we know, is a seal given to us that marks us as children of God. The Bible tells us that we're given the Spirit as a seal. That which we hear at times challenging us and guiding us and dropping ideas into our head is all a, a, a moment of rejoicing because it reinforces the biblical truth that we are sealed children of God. Much like the official Mr. Train had his seal on the underside. But is that all the Spirit is to us? Because the Spirit is more than merely a seal. The Spirit is the power, much like the batteries and the train, to enable us to live and function and be the kind of people that God wants us to be. When the world presses our buttons, sticking with the train metaphor, I'm going to labour this too, does anything happen? Or is there no power there? We need the Holy Spirit. And this is where we've got to recognise humility. We need that Holy Spirit. We need Him in our lives. We need to humble ourselves and recognise that our life and walk with God isn't based upon ourselves and our awesomeness and our capabilities. It's based on the grace of God, the work of God and His infilling, empowering Holy Spirit in our lives. And Pentecost today reminds us of that vital truth. So again I ask the question, what difference is Pentecost making to us when we live day by day? Because the reality might be not much, but the truth is we needed to make a law. Because we need his power to help us live and to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Because that great age that we see there, that great age is here still today. The mighty acts. You know, we read so much of mighty acts of God. We love reading about them, the revivals of old. They're great to read about the revivals on the islands, the revivals in Wales, and how you see God's spirit move. And people are transformed even in the streets. They wander out into the street and by the spirit, their life is transformed at that moment in time. These are awesome things that have happened throughout history. You see churches growing and amazing things happening. And even cultures changing for the better because of this move of God. And boy, do we need that today. 
But is it all history now? Are we content with it just simply being history? Something that we read of in a book? Or do we believe that the great age is still here? That promised time is still now. Are we content to settle or will we call out for that power from our God? Is it all history of now? No. You hear rumours. You hear rumours of things happening in Africa and places like that. But the truth is, even when we hear these things, we don't really believe them, do we? We think they're not as enlightened as we are, so they probably are writing this off to different things. But if I was there, I would know what it actually was. And I say that casting aspersions, not on anybody here, but casting aspersions on myself. I remember at the Baptist Union Assembly, they had, and now sadly the, the chap's name escapes me, but he was a sir, which was impressive. Worked a lot in youth, and his daughter was over in Africa, and she phoned him up filled with excitement and says, Dad, I have seen God raise people from the dead here. And his first instinct was to say, yeah, right. And as he shared it to us, he's like, I can guarantee that when I say that, most of you thought, aye, that'll be right. He didn't ask us to stick our hand up if that was the case, but if he had, my hand would have went up because that's exactly what I thought. Because my expectations of the Spirit were that that wouldn't happen. Those days are gone. We wouldn't see anything like that. We wouldn't see God moving in those ways. Ultimately, settling for the status quo. But here's a question. Does God want more for his people? Does God want his spirit to move through this town? Does God want his spirit to move through this church? Does God want his spirit to move through us in mighty and powerful ways so that that stuff isn't simply history? Because it's not. God is still working through us. God is still doing many amazing things. A quote from a chap called Leonard Ravenhill. Now, I think I would term Leonard Ravenhill the king of quotes. He's got some corking quotes. Um, But one of the things he says is, I'm sick and tired of only reading about church history. Let's make some by the grace of God. Pentecost is an event in which that should be our perspective. It is an event which tells us that it is God and his power working through his people that will make remarkable things happen. I am sick and tired of only reading about church history. Let's make some by the grace of God. Can Pentecost inspire that in us? Because we know God is still making history. We've seen it recently. I mean, this building that we sit in, it's remarkable. 30 years, we had no building. And my goodness, that time in the theatre, that was a real challenge. But here we sit this morning, having prayed and God has answered our prayers and we've got this place for hopefully at least the next five years. We've seen new ministries going on. That's one of the reasons why I showed some of those pictures and people that are coming and going. We've saw two people give their lives to Christ recently. Thank you, God, for that. We saw, of course, Norman's baptism recently, despite the weather. Thank you, God, for that. But will we let Pentecost inspire us, or will we we settle? Are we content with merely a good couple of months and a year? Will we strive and pray and hunger and cry to God for more? Apparently there are about 10,000 people in this town. Just an Ellen. 
It's, never mind the fact that we've got representatives from Pitmedin and New Deer and New Pitsligo and all these places here this morning. At least 10,000 here plus more in all these different towns. And the Bible tells us that it is God's desire that each and every one of them would come to know the salvation of Jesus Christ. Now, as I've said a few times, there's a mystery there. It doesn't matter. The mystery isn't what counts for us. The mystery is God saying, I want these people to know that salvation. But he's given us the spirit in order to, for that to become possible. So will we be inspired by Pentecost? Will we remember what God has done and is doing? And will we say as a church, as a body of Jesus Christ, thank you Lord for your blessings. We call out for more. Give us your spirit. Send your power and lead us. Pentecost reminds us of that amazing power of the living God. The grace that he has given us and the mission that we're ultimately all called to. What I'd like 